0: back with another episode of real life broadcasting and i'm your host ervish and welcome again in this podcast i'm featuring uh john Golomsky, who will be teaching on the book of uh, galatians and uh, with that said uh i always wanted to say this from the old uh show uh uh the late night show with johnny carson here's johnny <laughs> only kidding this is john Golomsky. Uh i hope you enjoy his teaching in galatians so here's john
1: because these kids
0: heard the word of god and uh, and so we need to pray for him so anyway, okay, we're in the book of Galatians. And you can turn there. Uh, Primarily we'll be there, but we'll move some other places too. But uh, uh, we know that in the first uh, chapter, it it says that uh, the book was written to the churches of Galatia. And we know that Galatia is a providence And uh, probably Antioch and Iconum and Lister and Derby were the churches that this book was written to. Uh, And uh, because that's where Paul founded those churches uh, in his first missionary journey. So, uh, and he wrote because of a heresy, uh, claiming that the Gentile Christians had to be circumcised and obey the Mosaic law in order to be saved. And uh, we all know that uh, the Apostle Paul was a great protector of the sheep. And then in in chapter 2, verse 5, we can read that. uh, Paul says, To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And Paul is the great protector of the sheep. And then I, I, you don't have to turn here, but I wrote Deuteronomy chapter one down, and it it says in Deuteronomy, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he has spoken to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. But then it says this, But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. And just a little later on, he says, but you shall surely kill him. And then in Galatians 1, chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed or let him go to hell. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Very, very strong words uh, from the apostle and also in the Old Testament. And we can, from those words, see the seriousness of understanding the true gospel. And then in Galatians 2.18, since we're here, it says, for if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. And then 2, verses 15 and 16. We who are Jews, and then jump down to verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And then in the last verse of of this chapter 2, he says, I do not frustrate, I do not deny, I do not confuse. These are all the different interpretations of this. But I do not do those things to the grace of God. And with that, let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we thank you uh, for this day and for the book of Galatians. Uh, we just praise you for it. Uh, I think it's such an important book in the Bible, and we praise you for it. And then, Lord, too, I, I think of uh, all them kids, and I, I truly was blessed to see them sing, but uh, Lord, we pray that the word of God would touch their heart. And so we pray for each of those kids and the kids that weren't here, uh, their families, we pray for their families. Uh, we just ask that you would work in each of the families, and uh, we pray that there would be fruit from this this work last week. We do pray
1: in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, we are we're in Galatians, and uh,
0: we find that even today in the church today there is a problem with with Galatianism, and uh, it is still with us today. This problem. Uh, it was in the past; the church was full of Galatianism and it still is today. It hasn't gone away. Uh, The idea that works uh, somehow will give you favor with God and merit you favor with God is still with us today. And then we can turn to Galatians chapter five, uh, verse six, and read that verse. And it's quite similar to Galatians chapter six, verse 15. It says in in verse 6, it says, But in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And then 16 or 6, verse 15, it says pretty much the same thing. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision,
1: but a new creation. And uh, and I'll explain this a little more later. But
0: what Paul is telling us is that circumcision, which is a religious act, means nothing to God. It availeth nothing. And uncircumcision, which is just natural, uh, means nothing to God. It means nothing, but what means something to God is the new creation, and uh, in verse 6, chapter 5, verse 6, it talks about believing and loving. Uh, What means something to God is that we trust him and we love him, and uh, this is something uh, that avails something to God, and uh, when we study the Book of Galatians, we understand that. Uh, so we each have that question to ask ourselves: and Are we new creatures in Christ? You know, uh, are we born again, as we we say? These are very good questions to ask ourselves, and we need to to answer them for ourselves. I can't tell you one way or another. Uh, you have to answer that question yourself, but. I did like what uh, Charlie Pfizer—I don't know how long ago—but I wrote it down. He talked about the new creation, what it is, and uh, I thought it was very interesting. It's we have a, a natural inclination, the natural man, not to follow the things of God. It's that something we have naturally, but uh, what happens is that changes when we're born in and uh, i always say we gain a want to all of a sudden we want to follow god we didn't have that before and now all of a sudden we have a want to it's a new what we'd call a new nature and uh, charlie defined it this way it's a new disposition or a new inclination in following the living christ and uh, I say we want to all of a sudden. And then he says that, and this is caused by two things, true repentance and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, a man I I, I really enjoy, and I still read some of his sermons, is Ben Hayden. He called it a changed life. Uh, All of a sudden we have a desire for God. And he... Ben Hayden said it's an inside job. It's something that happens inside you. And uh, when we deal with the book of Galatians, uh, we have to deal with how circumcision plays a part in all this. uh, Because it's very strange for us today. But uh, I want to deal with some of that. But uh, we know that Abraham was converted way back in Genesis. And we know the story of Abraham's uh, conversion in Genesis 15. He believed God, and it says he was counted righteous. And uh, he was declared right before God because he believed in him. And uh, what did he believe in him about? Well, God declared to him some promises, and he believed them. And God, from that, declared him righteous. And uh, when we think of the Abrahamic covenant, and we all know about it, and we hear about it, all it is is a bunch of promises that God has given to us. And someday, all of them will be fulfilled, because he said it will be. So we read in Genesis, and you don't have to turn there, I wrote it down here. And he says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed, and I put down, that's Christ, forever from thy seed. And we we learn how to interpret this portion of the Bible in Galatians, Uh, the apostle Paul teaches us how to interpret this. And then he says, and I will give thee and to thy seed. Again, we can probably put Christ there. After thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of ever for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. And then one last
1: verse of the promises of God and of the Abrahamic covenant. That in blessing, I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy
0: seed and the seed of Abraham. And that is both the remnant of the Jews and the Gentiles. As the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed, and then again in Galatians three, the apostle Paul teaches us how to interpret that. And in thy seed, Christ shall, shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed, the Messiah shall all, through the Messiah, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And uh, so it's, it's very helpful to me to, to use Galatians chapter uh, 3, verse 16, in understanding how to interpret those verses. But he teaches us that in Galatians chapter 3. Now, I, I personally believe none of the promises are completed yet, none of them. And they are all going to come to pass in the future. And so we still are people uh, believing in the promises of God. Uh, but what God wanted the people to do is to be circumcised. And uh, to, to us, that is strange. I, I find that when I first heard that, that's the strangest thing in the world, I thought. But there is an interesting uh, note in my Bible, and I think it'll somewhat help you understand it. Yes, it says here that in my note, my Bible said circumcision is not a Hebrew invention. It was used in Egypt from very early periods as an act act of ritual purification. Apparently, a requirement for men who would work in the Egyptian temple. They were holy men, separated to their holy service. And uh, I, th- I thought, you know, if that was the worldview at that time, considering circumcision, uh, no wonder why God used that as something he wanted his people to do. Because in Genesis 17, 11, he tells us, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. In other words, you shall be separated unto me. You shall be a holy people, he was telling them. And the purpose of that separation, uh, that circumcision, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And we know the covenant of promises that God made. They were going to be a people that were separated unto God, a holy people that believed in the promises of God. They believed and uh, uh, we'll see how, that some of the people really uh, lived their whole lives believing in, in these promises to come true. Uh, we know even today we are waiting for the second coming of Christ, the fulfillment of some of these promises. Well, in 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 that chapter 17, it's interesting that it took. at least 13 years before Abraham obeyed, before he was circumcised. Uh, We know that he tried to fulfill the promises of God by work uh, with Hagar. He had a child with Hagar, and he was going to fulfill the promises of God. And we learn from that that uh, works will never fulfill the promises of God works will never get us to heaven uh, we learn from that and and that is explained in galatians chapter four as uh, four verses 22 through 26 and so we learn that from the book of galatians uh, god has promised to
1: justify the ungodly and then he tells us in galatians two sixteen, which we shall no flesh be justified. So
0: Galatians is speaking about these Old Testament promises as as we study it. And uh, it's interesting to me that the word promise is used 10 times in
1: the book of Galatians, 10 different times. And he teaches us uh, in Galatians that...
0: uh, Religion really has no place in salvation. And uh, God, Galatians, not God, I got Galatians here, are a people that have fallen back into Judaism. And they have compromised with the gospel. And if we could just look at at chapter 3, verse 1 in Galatians, and it tells us there, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, that you should obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So we, we find that Paul says, I clearly presented the gospel to you, that it was only through the work of Christ that you would ever be justified. Uh, but they did not obey the truth. And that's what is shared. They did not obey the truth of the gospel, but they fell back and began to compromise with, with the Jews. Uh, well, today, uh, even today, as we think of Galatianism, we have a movement within the church. Uh, it's called Epimenicalism. Uh, and it, seems to me uh, a movement within the church that will completely ignore the book of Galatians. It'll completely ignore it. And for, for the sake of getting along, uh, we know that ecumenicalism and denominations have, have taught for years that uh, a person is saved by being, being good. And uh, what we would call the good man theory, uh, that if you perform enough good acts, uh, be saved. So, And that is the social gospel. But there's never a conversion to Christ and entering a relationship with Christ. There is not that. And then there's the, the common, what we call common law Christian. I, I was raised in the Christian church, so I must be a Christian. Again, there is no conversion
1: to Christ. There's no turning to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, we think of Galatians
0: uh, baptism, infant baptism, and adult baptism plus works give salvation. Uh, we have speaking in tongues as a day to gain eternal life. You get the Spirit by speaking in tongues. And then you have uh, the sacraments of the Catholic Church uh, and the spirit of ecumenicalism teaches us to ignore the fundamentals of the church of the of the Bible. It teaches us to to just
1: get along and as we we know the political issues And solve these political issues, and so there's there, there of Galatianism within the church. And uh, maybe there's a place for some of that. Timothy 4 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And one of the soundest doctrines is God. And they're going to miss that by ignoring the
0: word of God. And uh, Galatianism is present with us today, but the Galatians, the book of Galatians teaches us that it's Christ alone that will save us. And just like Judaism, if you read in Romans nine twenty seven, Paul says generally that Judaism is bankrupt. The Christian church is bankrupt too. And I, I, I just like, uh, he says, the number of the children of Israel to be, are as the sands of the sea, but a remnant will be saved, a,
1: a small percentage of them. And uh, I think he can say the same thing about the Christian church.
0: The children of the church be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant will be saved. And I think we have to realize that and realize that we're never going to transform uh, the Christian church as a whole. But uh, what dominates those churches is Galatianism. And uh, uh, so we are to be separated from that. In, in uh, Galatians 6.12, talking about Galatianism, Paul says, they make a fair show in the flesh. And when you think of uh, the religions of Christianity, what do they do? But have their baptism and their big ceremonies, their first communion. Uh, They make a fair show in the flesh, Uh, but it's not a changed heart. And the Bible, which I like, is it, it gives us a characteristic of the remnant of those that are truly saved. And I wrote some of those down here. And uh, a truly saved person knows he is
1: a sinner. And he has separated himself unto God. Uh, they know their ruin ruined,
0: that uh, they cannot get to heaven based on how good they are. And they count on God and his word for eternal life. And every Christian that has a heart that is right with God knows that he is a bankrupt sinner and he finds his relief in the grace of God. And that's through Christ. And uh, I have here as one of the marks of a Christian is they love his appearing. They just can't wait till the Lord comes back. And these are uh, great characteristics of, of, of Christians. And I think it's in Ezra, I'm not real sure where it's at, but where they were going to rebuild the temple after Babylon destroyed it. And so they're coming out of Babylon and only a certain percentage came. And it talks about that they, they celebrated uh, the Feast of Booth or the Feast of Tabernacles. And they, they, it says there, they never did that. The last time they did that was in Joshua's time. But they, they celebrated the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And what the Feast of Tabernacles is, uh, it is that someday God is going to dwell with us on the earth. And here they are in the ruin of their, their uh, temple. Believing that someday God is going to come back and dwell amongst them. Unbelievable faith. I think it's, it's remarkable. But uh, when we think of the remnant in the Bible, and I think of uh, what Charlie had to share last week. Uh, uh, Naomi, uh, she, she calls herself Mara, meaning that she is ruined and she is bankrupt. And, you know, now, and I know what's going to happen in the, the story of Ruth, uh, she is going to experience the grace of God because of, she has taken her proper place, and now the grace of God can work in her life. But one of the, and I want us to turn there, it's in First Samuel chapter 4,
1: and I, I really, I love this story. Uh, because I think
0: there's so much to learn in this story, but uh, in chapter four, as we think of the remnant and those who truly are God's children, uh, we find that Israel uh, is fighting the Philistines. So we come to, to verse two, and they find that they are in a battle with the, With the Philistines, and we find that, uh, well, it says, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the armies in the field about 400 men, or 4,000 men. And uh, so they were beaten in the battle. And then they asked the question, why did the Lord allow this? Why did this battle go so array for us? And, uh, which was a good question to ask, but you know, they were so confident in themselves that they said, Hey, let's bring the Ark of God into the battle. They did not even question their own spirituality. Uh, said, let's bring the Ark of God into the battle, and we're going to win. And we get on here, and uh, they they say, well, they ask the question, Where, wherefore has the Lord smitened us today before the Philistines? And they said, let us fetch the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes amongst us, it may save us out of the hands of our enemies. And then in verse 5, and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout. They were excited that the Ark was there.
1: You know, and I, I, I thought, now, did they have faith in the power of God? Were uh, they a faith?
0: Uh, I, I, and then I thought of Christian concerts, if you ever see a big Christian concert, uh, uh, all the cheering and stuff that goes on there. But they cheered, and, and when the ark came amongst them, and when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And some say the earth shook. And when the Philistines heard this noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of God was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid. For they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there has not been such a thing thereof. Woe unto us, who will deliver us out of the hands of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. And then the leaders must have said to the, to the Philistine soldiers, be strong and quiet yourself. Well, then they fought, and the Philistines fought Israel and was smitten. They were completely destroyed. And they flayed every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And then not only that, the ark of God was taken. And then the two sons of Eli, Ifni and Phinehas, were slain. They were killed. And if you You read about those, they were immoral men, but they were killed. And uh, there was a complete victory for the Philistines. Yet they were so excited about the Ark coming uh, in their presence. And then we know the the rest of the story of the Ark uh, going with the Philistines and with Dagon. and, And God, by his grace, brought the Ark back. Uh, to Israel, and that is, that's an interesting story, but uh, he did that, and he brought it to Kithjar Jerom, if I'm pronouncing that right, and, uh, but what we can see in the story here of the Israelites is that Israel believed in a God was outward and not inward. They were not a people of a changed heart. They were not repentive of their sins. Their hearts were not dedicated to God. And God was not their true God. They were not separated to him alone and, and to his word. And if we could say in, in the New Testament times, we'd say, well, they're not born again. But the ark is brought to Kithar-Jerim, And I had a note on that, which I thought was interesting. The location had long been associated with Baal worship. As if God was pointing to them, here's your problem. And it was brought there. But now it took 20 years, 20 years before the children of Israel began to repent of their idolatry. And we find that in chapter 7. It was 20 years later, and and what caused them to repent was the Philistines were still raiding the land. They were still raiding the land, and they were very tired of it, and I suppose destroying their crops and everything else. And it it says in verse 2, And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kurt, Jeth, Jerom, that the time was long, for it was 20 years, And all the house of Israel cried after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange gods and the Asherah, I think it's some kind of pole of worship, from among the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Then the children did put away Balaam and the Ashtoreth and serve the Lord only. And so they finally repented. And the results of their their repenting was victory. Uh, It said, uh, if I can find verse 13, yeah. For the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistine all the days of Samuel. So we find a people that have really turned to the Lord. They've repented of their sins. And they realize, finally, that they were sinners, that they were bankrupt, and they needed God. And guess what? God's grace began to work, and uh, the Philistines were destroyed. And then we'll go back to Galatians 22,
1: as we think of of that book, Uh, chapter 3, verse 22. It says here, but the scripture has concluded, all under sin.
0: And sometimes we read that and we don't think much of that. Uh, But if I, I added a few things, all of us are bankrupt. All of us are ruined. All of us are helpless. All of us are ungodly. And then it says that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And we sang that song, Jesus paid it all. And that's, the, uh, that's our proper place. And he is our proper savior. And then he said in, in 614, uh, the Apostle Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory, glory in circumcision or baptism, or that I'm such a good person. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And uh, the Apostle Paul put uh, things in its proper perspective, that we should only glory in Christ. And why? It's because Jesus Christ has done the great work, and he loves us and cares for us. And then verse 16, it says, And as many as walk according to this rule, and I want to say of putting Christ the head of your life, he says, Peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God or the remnant, I guess. Uh, and so each of us, as we study the book of Galatians and all of the scripture, We all need to take our proper place, and then the grace of God can fall upon us. And believe me, we all need a changed life, and we do. So let's just close with prayer. So, Lord, uh, we thank you uh, for your words. And, Lord, uh, we just pray that we uh, realize how how much you love us, care for us, and uh, someday you're coming, and we look forward to that. We just thank you for this day, in Jesus' name, amen.